Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... You always ask them to reflect back to you what they want from you. And I think having the people that you're talking to feel seen and heard always. So connection is the key. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 280 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Karen Marlap. Karen Marlap AM is a passionate believer in the power of community and connection and serially ignites projects that build both. Over three decades, she's been a publisher, media owner, business proprietor, social entrepreneur and board member, concurrently sitting on a wide variety of commercial and not-for-profit boards. She has founded four social purpose organizations and has been instrumental in the startup phase as a board member of many other organizational initiatives well ahead of their time. She founded one of Australia's first and best-known digital social enterprises, Pro Bono Australia, Australia's foremost media organisation for civil society organisations, serving close to 2 million unique visitors annually, including 70,000 news service subscribers. Karen has also co-founded the Public Interest Journalism Initiative, PS Media, Macro Melbourne, and a host of other social enterprise and philanthropic startups. Karen has a deep interest in energetic and psychotherapeutic processes and has studied them over many years. She incorporates the insights arising from them into her work. Karen was awarded a member of the Order of Australia, received in 2015 for services to the not-for-profit sector and innovation in philanthropy. She was also named in 2012 as one of Australia's top 100 women of influence. The biggest impact Karen has had is bringing up two boys, now in their 20s, who themselves are good men doing good things. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Karen's insights into the social enterprise sector in Australia, and we'll learn from the great breadth and depth of her experience. So Karen, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Lovely to be here. So Karen, to kick things off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led to your interest and work in media and social enterprise? Thanks, Tom. Well, there's a long answer to that question, but in brief, I came from a business family. I came from a social activist family. My mother was very involved with the second wave of feminism, and I grew up in that environment and attended a school that made me not only educated, but an independent thinker. I studied then economics that also did visual arts, so always from one discipline stretching across a divide to the other, which it seems to be always the way that I've worked. After that, I travelled for a year and then ended up working in big corporates in marketing and advertising, specifically Unilever, who Mm. more recently has done a lot in CSR. And 
an advertising agency called Ogilvy and Ava. And I was working there in the 80s. It was like the days, you know, I don't know if you've seen that television series, Mad Men, but it seriously, even though it was the 80s, it was still filled with characters out of the Mad Men series. The atmosphere in the general work was Shell and Barbie doll and all kinds of clients, which were interesting. But in terms of understanding how corporates work, the people that I loved working with were actually the pro bono clients. Mm. And the people in the agency that I loved working with were the people who put up their hands to work on the pro bono clients like the Mental Health Research Institute. And that was, looking back on it, a real awakening for me for my desire to be working on issues with value, people who had held values, um, change makers similar to me. So the agency in the recession of the late agencies lost a lot of their major clients and Mm. I then lost my job. After licking my wounds for a period, I was invited to work in my mother's directory publishing company, Hmm. which I then bought from her and grew. My kids were young. I was running the company. And after a number of years, I got really dissatisfied with the notion of business for business's sake and outcome, which was around profit. And I didn't realise that as clearly at the beginning. So I took a three-month sabbatical and it was at the beginning of the 2000s, which was an incredible time in technology Mm. because it was the birth of the internet. I mean, it's hard to picture now. There was no Facebook, no Google. Not many people had emails. And so I started to read and I read people like Anita Roddick's who started The Body Shop, her book Body and Soul made a tremendous impact. And I read books on technology and decided that what I really wanted to do was to start up an organisation that would build community, help community organisations using technology. And I called it Pro Bono Australia Mm. and I flipped what was a publication, The Guide to Giving, which we still have, into a new business and I called it Pro Bono Australia and we went from there. At that time, social enterprise wasn't a word and I was really struggling to describe to other people what the ethics and sense and purpose of this new organisation that I was starting up Mm. were and I remember driving along and it, it came to me that what I actually was was a social purpose business venture. And that was the term I used to describe me to other people. And we've now been known as a social enterprise, obviously, as you would understand. But at that point, there was very few people around who were setting up businesses for good like I was. I had no idea I was eventually going to create a media organisation, which at its front end is what Pro Bono Australia is now. Mm. But that's where we've ended. But the other thing about Pro Bono Australia and still is I'm still holding this bigger picture of not just being a social enterprise ourselves, not just working for purpose, but continuing to support the emergence of the social economy as a whole. And by the social economy, I mean people who are engaged in Australia's civil society, whether that be not-for-profits, other civil society organisations, charities, but it's also 
individuals who incorporate social responsibility, individuals who want to impact invest, Mm. individuals who want to volunteer, individuals who want to give their money through philanthropy. So Pro Bono Australia really stretches like an umbrella over the social economy and delivers services to grow the social economy as a proportion, a bigger proportion Mm. of the global economy. Fantastic. Well, there's such deep experience in that space, Karen, and tremendous alignment with Impact Boom as well. So huge respect to what you've managed to create till now and the impact that you're creating. So as the founder then of of Pro Bono Australia, I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about how you've seen this social enterprise sector grow. I mean, you mentioned that the term itself wasn't really being used back then. You know, we heard all sorts of different definitions over the years. But how have you also seen it develop since you started yeah. Pro Bono Australia? Yeah, well, it, it's funny because Pro Bono Australia, is, we had our 20-year anniversary last year. We were going to have a big event, but mm. COVID uninspired. It didn't, it didn't happen. But what we did is we wrote a series of articles on the last 20 years, pulling out. We didn't write the series of articles. We pulled together a timeline of the articles that we'd written over mm. the past 20 years and we've divided, you know, you can find it on our website, Timelines, and we've done it for each of those sections of the social economy I mentioned before. So the timeline from 20 Years of Social Enterprises goes back to March 2001 mm. when the first Social Entrepreneurs Alliance launched. And I can see from the articles that it was by 2005-ish that social enterprise was starting to be used more widely as a term. Yeah. And now where we have state government funding and a national alliance of Mm. social enterprise practitioners. So it's been absolutely incredible to see the growth of everything purpose and impact driven. It's wonderful. And I have to say, as someone who started a social enterprise with no network in Australia, I went to a conference in America probably 15 years ago and met all the people who understood what I was saying at that time using the term social purpose business venture and now social enterprise. And there was a network of people in America for that. So I felt like I was with kindred spirits. Yeah, you'd found your tribe. Pardon? You'd found your tribe. I'd found my tribe, but they were in America. And if I'd been able to start Pro Bono Australia here and had that, it would have been so much easier because literally people did not understand what you were talking about. Mm. They didn't understand your motivation. The profit motive in business and the charity not-for-profit sector for good were very widely apart. There was very different language. The language between the two was not understood. Yes. It was seen as jargon in the business sector and jargon in the not-for-profit sector. So there's been a tremendous emergence of not only social enterprise organisations but the language between sectors mm. and alliances of people and all of that makes an ecosystem. And there's so many now that we've got a whole ecosystem of social enterprise So that's just unbelievably good. Yeah, it certainly has been exciting to watch this momentum build and grow and particularly Mm -hmm. in the lead up now to the Social Enterprise World Forum next year in Australia. It's it's, it's hugely exciting for us. So I'm sure you can see further gaps, Karen. So what is it that needs to be done in Australia right now to further grow and develop this business for good movement? 
the way that I describe running a business for good is like riding a horse where you've got two reins. One is the impact rein and one is the financial return rein. Mm. And aim as the head of a social enterprise is to keep the horse moving forward. Yeah. And so I feel as though the two sets of reins, the ability to measure impact and the ability to make yourself financially resilient, both those areas are being developed mm. in terms of measuring impact in there's a lot of organisations which are still developing on how to do that. Yeah. Pro Bono Australia is a B corporation and they've got this whole accreditation process that's getting there. When we first started with them as an early adopter in, I think it was 2013, they didn't value intermediary organisations. They yeah. didn't value the impact of it. So I think, and obviously there's an impact of intermediary organisations, but that wasn't being measured. Mm. So I think there still needs to be work done in how you measure the impact. Yes. And particularly when the impact involves intangibles. If those intangibles are connection, if those intangibles are compassion or kindness or um, sense of belonging, what value do we put on that? So the impact measurement, I think, still needs working. It's yes. coming along. And the financial resilience of organisations. So what is now happening is there is a whole number of organisations that have been set up to financially invest in support the early days and increasingly and importantly the past the seed funding into mm. the sustainable business functioning of social enterprises. So I can see lots of impact funds starting up in yes. Queensland, in New South Wales, in Victoria, impact clubs starting up. So I think all of that feeds to this is the growth of the business for good. And of course, profile. So more media organisations featuring the types of discussion and the types of work of social enterprises across Australia. Mm, yep, absolutely. And look, you talk about profile. You've got extensive experience in media yourself and you've put a lot of spotlight on these different organisations over the years. So mm. what are the key tips that you'd give social enterprises who are looking to basically gain more exposure and better connect with their communities and target audiences? We have, and I've been so proud of the movements that we, Pro Bono Australia, has featured and grown over time because I think we've held a very valuable role in amplifying all those movements. Mm. What other people can do is it's more of a marketing comms question yeah. because we sit as a media organisation, but in general terms you work out who your stakeholders are what the best way to access them is, what the message is that you want to convey and what you want them to think. You always ask them to reflect back to you what they want from you and I think having the people that you're talking to feel seen and heard always. So yeah. connection is the key. I think sending out external communications to media organisations is really important and on social media. Mm. You need to work out what to say and who your audiences are. Yes. A great point. So building a little bit on that, we've we've spoken a lot to people over the years about how they might really basically get an idea off the ground. But understanding that you've got quite extensive experience, not just in, in taking an idea and turning that into impact, but 
finding some scale around it as well. I'm curious to hear what advice then you'd give to other social entrepreneurs who are more at that sort of scaling or growing stage and who are working to to basically grow their organisation further. What advice would you give them? The advice I'd give them is to work out what you want to do by scaling. What is, what is it you want to achieve by growing bigger? Mm. How do you better serve your audiences and how are you going to get there financially? Mm. I think not everything scales. Yes. And importantly, it shouldn't. A lot of ideas shouldn't scale. It should go deep with what you are trying to achieve rather than necessarily go bigger. And if you do go bigger, how do you hold on to your core principles and values moving forward? How do you not sell the idea out? I think that kind of notion of integrity in your social enterprise and how you keep that is really important. Mm. I do, in terms of getting the financial support you need, if you do want to scale, I think you need to scan the numerous now impact investing funds and fund managers to see if any of them will fund you and put together a business case for that and make sure you're doing something unique and if it's not unique that you partner with other people who are doing similar so that ego is not at the centre of wanting to scale but rather your view is to the impact that you want to make and how best to do that and then look for finance to scale if that's needed. It's a fantastic reminder there, particularly amongst the the broader startup community in Australia where typically that rhetoric is around the economic growth and there is such emphasis put on that scaling. So that's really good to hear, Karen. So Yeah, I really I think and and I think we're swinging back round. Agreed. So yeah, good. Agreed. No, it's a it's a it's a great <laughs> reminder. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that you believe are creating some really great positive and deep social change? Well, there's so many. If you're asking the ones that I'm involved with personally, PS Media is a new organisation. I call it a Zoom baby because my partners and I, my partner Simon Creera started, was the editor of BuzzFeed in Australia and ended up running it. And Rob Wise owns a company called B Collective and Meg Simons is one of Australia's foremost investigative and academics in in journalism, Mm. starting local media organisation with them. And that is because local media has fallen in a crater in Australia. Mm. So, for example, last October in our local elections where I live, there was no local paper and I had no idea who was standing in the local council until I got the postal vote. Mm. And on the postal vote was eight self-described blurbs, no view and no media. So we are wide open for disconnection at a community level, local corruption without local media. And I don't know if your audience is across what's been happening with media, but the business model behind media is broken. It's been disrupted by the internet. So all the classified advertising that used to say, say the back of newspapers that paid for the journalists at the front of the newspapers 
all of that has gone to Seek or Facebook or Google and people can't afford to pay for journalists anymore and that's had the most impact at the local level. Mm. So PS Media is really ex- an exciting project and comes off the back of the Public Interest Journalism Initiative. We set up that Alan Fells is now chairing Manifair is a really interesting group of philanthropy coming together to address democratic issues in Australia. But I have to say the, not but, and I have to Mm. say that we do, I don't know if you know this, Tom, we do Impact 25 awards. Yes, um, I do know. Yeah. Gee, the people who win those awards, the Judges' Choice Awards last year were sharing stories, which is digital understanding of Indigenous culture, the Home Stretch campaign, which was raising the age of children moving from 18 to 21 in, in out-of-home care, to organisations like the Community Council of Australia, which are really at the forefront of representing sector issues yes. on all fronts to government. So the Impact 25 Awards really throws up, and we've got a website to look at pbaimpact.com.au and that lists all of those people doing incredible stuff and there's lots of them, which is wonderful. There certainly are. No, we'll, we'll link on through to that in our article, Karen, because there's a great list of people there and, and, and many inspirational human beings which we can learn from. Yeah, yeah there's so many good people around, hey, Tom? There yeah. are, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a pleasure of our work, right, being able to learn more from them. That's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's great. So, Karen, to finish off then, what books or perhaps you've got blogs or podcasts or other things would you be recommending to our listeners for them to learn or to grow or simply to perhaps even step outside of work and find a way to better themselves or their businesses? Yeah, there's a few that I've read that have really just shifted the way that I've looked at things. One is, funnily enough, called Clara the Sun. And it's a fictional novel, but it's about AI and it's by a Nobel Prize winner whose name, I should have got that. I'll have to look it up and send it to you, Tom. But it is a fabulous read and takes you into that realm when AI is real in our everyday lives. The other one that I've just read is Apollo's Arrow, Nicholas Christodakis, an American professor at Yale, talking about post-pandemic issues. Mm. The reason I like his work, and I'm just reading a second book called Blueprint, is that he talks about social structures and where we've also always had that Darwinian notion of survival of the fittest. Mm. He counteracts that, and I've been reading a lot of stuff that counteracts that notion. It's actually we survive when we're communal and connected and together and he has the evidence base and has done the studies to show what that looks like in our social structures and that it is in fact there already in every human so Mm. I find that a very hopeful book and good to model on to change that competitive framework yes and I listen to a lot of podcasts unfortunately I do listen to them at night and sometimes they put me to sleep which means (laughs) I miss half the episodes, but I love CoronaCast, which is a Norman Swan. On Being is some um, Krista Tippett's podcast. There's one called Exponential Wisdom, 
which is an American one on what's new, what's coming. Yeah. And if into meditation and things like that, a woman called Tara Brack, B-R-A-C-H, she's wonderful for those late night, for that late night listening. They all sound absolutely wonderful, Karen. We'll stick a list in the article so people can click on through and, and have a look at those different resources. So, Karen, thanks so much again for being so generous with your time and your, your insights today. We really do appreciate it, and we'll certainly look forward to seeing Pro Bowl Australia move on to even better, bigger things as you continue to create impact. Thanks again. Thanks, Tom. Congratulations on your work too. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.